On your mark. We're Brandon and Nicole Marks. And we're doing life with four sweet kids and two dogs. It can get a little crazy around here and it's easy to get into survival mode. But we want to open the discussion on how to navigate family life with confidence, wisdom, and joy so that we can be totally intentional with our everyday moments. Here we go. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about something that has completely and radically transformed our marriage as well as our relationships with others. Oh yeah. It's the Enneagram. Enneagram. Woohoo. So in case you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, it's a personality assessment tool which has nine basic personality types. And each of us, while we have aspects of each of them, we each gravitate yeah. towards one and really it helps us to understand ourselves based on what these personality types hold. Yeah, it's really helped us a lot and that's why we want to talk about it but the funny thing is we were actually super skeptical super about skeptical. it at first um i i heard about it first and um uh, my boss came to me with the enneagram several years ago wanting me to learn it so that we could use it to help us relate to our clients better um understanding their motives understanding the way that they learn that would help us to teach them and educate them and connect with them better um, and I thought you were it was like, bad. nah, bro, I'm not doing this. <laughs> well, I thought it was bad. I thought it was weird. I got weird vibes about it. Why did you think it was so weird? Um, part of it, I think, was the symbol, and part of it was the teaching that I was looking up. Um, the people who were teaching it um, were coming from a non Christian perspective, and it just all around was pretty strange. So, here's the thing just to throw it out there the Enneagram is not in the Bible. So, while we completely love it and we think it has a lot of great things to it, it is not in the Bible. And a lot of the reason that people think it's bad is just like Nicole said, it has a symbol that's a circle and it has different points. And so some people think it looks like a pentagram. Yeah. But it's actually an enneagram, which means nine oh. and not pent, which is five. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the pentagram. It's just the nine personality types all interconnected with each other. So we need to get our shapes right. Exactly. We need to go back to preschool. preschool. <laughs> we need to teach our kids the Enneagram and the triangle and the parallelogram. <laughs> in addition to that, though, it's also a lot of times in bookstores, some books on the Enneagram have been miscategorized, like in the New Age section That's right. versus like a psychological, like a self-help because it does have some unknown origins, but it ended up getting through to the Catholic Church. And when it was in the Catholic Church, it was used by spiritual directors who would help their mentees really understand themselves. And it was never something that they would share like, oh, you're a one or you're a five or whatnot. It was something where they would use to help them get better. So the counselors would keep it a secret what their clients Right. name was what their number client, was yeah what their client's number was yeah number, but they would just sorry. use the assessment in their own mind to help them in their own understand mind each other yeah better. okay and, so, and you never ask your spiritual director what number are you that is like not appropriate it's like it was a one-way thing but now it's become popularized it's become a bigger thing and it's almost like a fad so here's the thing the whole point of our walk as believers is to grow closer to god but we can't grow closer to god if we don't really understand ourselves and the Enneagram is yeah. really a tool to help us understand ourselves. But even greater than that, um, we're called to minister to others and to help each other. And this helps us 
also understand other people. And if right. we understand other people, I can relate to Nicole better because I understand her at a deeper level now. Right, exactly. And all the other ones of my friends who I know as well. Well, so that's actually what happened was um, I I heard about the Enneagram. I thought it was weird. I said, I just put that in the back of my mind, like, okay, we're not going to do that. And a few years down the line, you started getting into the Enneagram. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and the more that you learned about it, the more that you started connecting with me better. And I also saw an improvement in the way you connected with your friends and people around you. I was like, okay, there's something to this. I'm seeing some really positive fruit. And so I started getting into it and learning a little bit about it. And I am, I have been converted. Like, I love talking about the Enneagram. <laughs> so the Enneagram differs from other personality assessments like Myers-Briggs, mm -hmm. um, which gives you just a really basic idea of your personality type or like the Strengths Finders, which tells right. you what you're good at. We this, love Strengths Finders. We love all those, but the but... great thing about this is that it helps you to understand your motivations. Yeah. Why do I do what I do? And in that, it tells you what you're good at, but also it tells you some things that you really need to work on. Yeah. So it gives you a roadmap for how you can um, perceive the world and how you can do better. Exactly. So we might as well just jump in and explain the different personality types. So type one, the type one is called the improver. I love that because it actually used to be called the perfectionist and it's recently been changed to the improver, which I think is a much better description um, or a much better title. But the description of type one is ethical, dedicated, and reliable. They are motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. Do you know any type ones, Nicole? Um, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. 100%. Yes, I'm a one for sure. Yeah, you are a one for sure. And we also don't really believe in like typing our kids until they're much older, but our oldest, our seven-year-old definitely portrays um, character traits of a one. He does. He's yeah. like a mini He's me. very much like you. Mini and version of me. It's pretty mm -hmm. amazing. And it's, it's funny because with the one, these are people that really just need to find peace in the world by having things right. The reason that I really love the title, The Improver, more so than The Perfectionist, is because when I heard The Perfectionist, I immediately got this image in my head of like a class president type person who sits up with perfect posture and is always ahead of schedule, you know, gets like that kind of person. And that's not me. Um, don't give me that look, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see everything as black and white right and wrong, even when it comes to something that should be a creative expression, such as the clothes that I wear or the the words that I write on a page. There's a right way and a wrong way. There's you a right answer. See, you should see how long it takes Nicole to write a text message. Yes. I apologize to everyone who is in my texting world because <laughs> you have to wait for a response from me for so long because I'm busy, but also it takes me a while to figure out exactly what I want to say. You have to say the right words, but you also have to have the punctuation, the right punctuation exactly correct, the, the right, right emoji. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Um, but even though I have this um, constant just pestering in my head about was that right? Was that wrong? Uh, rehashing conversations or experiences about 
you know, what it should have been, what can I do better? Because I see it through that filter. This is a really positive drive in my life because I'm always wanting to improve. Make the world a better place. Everything I see, yeah. If somebody comes to me with something they're struggling with, that is definitely my um, default mode is how can I help? You know, how can I help this person get from point A to B? You don't want to just help them. Like you are a powerful force that will transform them. If it's the right moment, can transform well, <laughs> them into like this amazing thing. Well, I have to work on the whole sympathy thing. Like I feel sympathy, but I don't sit in it. I'm, I'm definitely the one who's like, come on, get up. You can keep going. You can do this. I'm like more of that kind of coach type person. I think coaches would be ones. Ones would be great yes. coaches. Yeah, more so than the I'm going to sit with you and cry. Yeah, you're not in there to pain. like have coffee and like talk about our sorrows. You're going to like transform it. How are we going to fix How this issue? How can we get through this? Yeah, that's that's really what drives me. Yeah, but you know, some challenges for the one you have is that you have this inner critic that's constantly telling you um this needs to be better. You need to do better with this. You need to do better with that. And so each personality type can be healthy or unhealthy. That's right. And there's a scale. And our whole goal is to become the healthiest version of us as we can. Right. And when you were a super unhealthy one, you were critical about everyone yes. and everything if it didn't match up to your own standards. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is this standard, this inner critic is in your head. Yeah. It is not God. It is not the world's mother nature. It is completely in your head. Yeah. So whatever you have as a standard is what you match everyone else up right. to. Right, and it's really just comes across as being judgmental, super judgmental of people and everything around me, um, grumpy because things aren't the way that I need them or want them. And that can create this need to control, which is what I truly, I severely struggled with that as a child leading up into my adult years. Um, I, we see that in our seven-year-old. He wants to control, and when he loses that feeling of control, he sort of he breaks down. He explodes mm -hmm. with anger. Um, anger is kind of that the the go-to emotion when that need is not fulfilled. Um, which in life, it's not you're not always gonna, you're not always <laughs> you're gonna not gonna be able to yeah. control things. So um, yeah, and what's cool is because I understand that I'm able to dial into what he needs in the moment more so than if I did not know my Enneagram type um, and the, the filter that I see life through and knowing that that's how he sees it too. And one thing that I think epitomizes the one that you are so good at is improving every room in our house, always trying to come up with like the best thing that we can possibly do. And one of the things even that came up with that is like having a sleep schedule for our kids. So when Britain, our oldest, was a baby, um, we read the book Baby Wise, or I read the book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read the book Baby Wise, applied the principles, and he was sleeping through the night by eight weeks, like a textbook. And um, I've applied the principles to all of the kids. They've all slept through the night by eight weeks. I'm thankful it's, I'm married to one. Yeah. That has transformed our lives. That's been that's something that comes easy to me. Um, I have to work to add in a little bit of flexibility. Yes. Type two is the helper. Warm, caring, and giving, they are motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Have you ever seen the movie Mr. Deeds? Yep. This guy, if you haven't seen it, pretty much epitomizes it too. Everybody loves him. He's this great guy. He's always doing things for other people. Um, and that pretty much sounds great, right? He sounds great mm -hmm. to be nice and giving and doing other things. But the challenge with the two 
is that they can become people pleasers and it's not very genuine. You would know, right, Brandon? I would <laughs> I would know because I'm a two. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how cool is it that it's, you know, our season one, episode two of our podcast. Oh. And we're a one and a two. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. That's awesome. Super cool. But anyway, I, I would know. I am yes. a two and it's been a real eye-opening experience for me to realize the reason I would do things for others was because I have this deep need to be needed. Yeah. I need you to need me. You it's need not necessarily me because you. I want to help you, although most mm -hmm. of the times I do. A lot of times I need to be needed. Yeah. And that's actually how our relationship started. Uh-oh. As a really unhealthy two, and I was a really unhealthy one. Yikes. I needed to control, and you needed to be a pushover. It's a recipe for codependency. <laughs> <laughs> we were a perfect match. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> so we're a lot healthier now. We'll just say that. But you are a recovering people pleaser. You yes. have come so far. You actually didn't, um, you almost didn't have a personality. Hey. Yeah. I would ask you, Brandon, what are your dreams and hopes? And Whatever you want, vision in life, dear. and you—you you literally would say, "I don't have any. I don't know." Coming from someone who is constantly dreaming and and, and visioning for the future, and I get really excited and inspired about things and passionate. That was like com completely mind-boggling to me that you wouldn't have a vision for your future that you wouldn't know what you like or dislike. Yeah. So you had to go on a journey of discovery. That's because I do have likes and dislikes. I do have a personality, but when you're unhealthy as a two, it's really like hard to express it. that. Yeah. Yeah. I suppress it for you or for right. someone else or whoever I'm around, your needs or your desires trump mine. I've grown in a lot of ways, but some of the things I still struggle with is is even as simple as sharing my own needs with people. Yeah. So it could be the end of like a long work week or work day and I finally get to do something for myself. And as soon as I start, someone calls or someone says, hey, I really need this or can you help me with this? And my motivation is like, I have to do this. I can't. Yeah. And, and then I start to get really upset with the person because <laughs> they need me. And it's not their fault. It's yeah. because I'm helping them when I could have just said, hey, yes, tomorrow. I'd love to help you tomorrow. But no, I have to do it now so that you know and you'll come back it's like return business i need you to come back for more yeah because that's where i you know get my your value my value which is not true that is not where my <laughs> value comes from but i had to learn that yeah i had to learn that my value comes from god and my relationship and my identity but before i realized that and understood that i was in a very unhealthy state with yes that. and actually several years ago um about three years ago i had a very rock bottom wilderness season and we both I, weren't doing too well we had we as a couple <laughs> yes. yeah as a family had a rock bottom season but i hit rock bottom and i i asked you to drive me to church so that i could be prayed for yes. and i'm like barely making it to church and we walk in and you come you encounter a pastor who you knew yep. and he said hey man what's up how are you doing and you're like, like we're great we're doing great <laughs> come on <laughs> how <Brandon>? are you <laughs> And I interrupted and said, no, no, I'm not doing good. We're not good. We're here for prayer. Like if it was just me, we would have walked in like, hey, great. How are you? Okay, goodbye. See ya. Like been fine. Yeah. But no, I, yeah, it's very hard for me to ask for prayer for something that relates to me. I can intercede. I can ask for prayer for someone else. When it comes to me or us, that is really hard for me. And that's something that I've had to overcome. 
But as mm -hmm. a two gets healthier, they can still be aware of their own needs and then use that for good as they help people yeah. and as they genuinely have a heart to care and, and to really see the needs. The superpower of the two is to be able to like see people in a room and understand like who needs something. Right. I don't necessarily know what you need, but I know you need something and I can tell with people's countenance, with the way that people act, their behavior. I just have a radar for how I can help people. I've had to learn that I'm a person too. Right. So if I could care about myself the same way that I care about other people or help other people, I'm in a better place. Yeah. So we have a good friend who is also a two. And when this person comes over, we actually stay up all night talking. Oops. Because I say, okay, maybe it's like bedtime now. And so we migrate to the hallway and talk for an hour there. And then I say, okay, let's, you know, move to the doorway and we migrate to the door <laughs> and then talk for an hour at the door. And then I help time. us get out the door and we talk for an hour on the doorstep. And <laughs> literally, if I was not there, you would just, you would, I would probably go night. home with them, like Even in the though car, you're both miserable. you know, and <laughs> it just doesn't stop. <laughs> yes. It's pretty crazy. So, so that is, that is a two. Okay. So a three is known as the performer. Success-oriented, image-conscious, and wired for productivity, they are motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and to avoid failure. Threes are pretty amazing because they are super productive. Um, the performer, as stated, I mean, it's just someone who works really hard, who can get a lot done. Um, but they're also a performer in the sense that a lot of times pastors are can be a three, they can also be a seven, but a lot of times pastors are threes because they love to be on stage, worship leaders, people that love to just perform for people. But the dark side of that is if they are more on the unhealthy spectrum of that, then they could be basing their worth on what other people think about them and the response yeah. that they get. Performing. Um, and I think having a hard time, they have a hard time revealing their true self. You know, it's true. They, they have a, a mask where a two doesn't really understand as well how to express their needs. A three knows them, but they, they mask it. Yeah. They mask themselves. They can show what they need, but they mask their true self because they don't want to come across as a fraud. Recently, we watched a documentary on Taylor Swift, and goodness gracious, she is a three. Three to the max. She talked about her fear of failure. She talked about how afraid she was constantly to have one bad album and lose everything she's worked so hard for, lose all of her fans, her supporters, her reputation. You know, she has to be liked. She has to be accepted. Lou Giglio is also a three. I uh, love Lou Giglio. And it just shows me that when a three uses their personality to the fullest potential, they can be extremely good at, at communicating, at getting messages across, at performing in a way that you know, performing sometimes sounds bad, but if you've ever watched, you know, the big messages from Louis Giglio, it's like, these are powerful things that you remember. So yeah. a lot of great communicators, people yeah. that like to be on a platform are threes. Yes. So a four is one of the more rare personality types. It is the individualist or the romantic. Creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood experience their oversized feelings and avoid being ordinary. These are the people that you see that are extraordinary people. 
They are people that are... March to the beat of their own yes, drum. Yes, they're unique. They're very artistic usually. And they're very... They internalize their emotions to a level where they're like... They're just deeply emotional thinkers. Yeah. One of my best friends is a four. And we laugh because every single time I go to her house, she has changed like the entire contents of her house around. We get around. lost in her house because like, of that. Like <laughs> <laughs> all the decor is in different places. The furniture has been moved or she's gotten new, you know, new this or new that, but it just looks different. And I don't think there's been one single time that I have gone and something has not changed. So it's pretty funny. I have a friend who's a four and every time he begins to talk about something he's passionate about, he'll start crying. He gets very, very <laughs> deeply emotional about it. And I love it because it's authentic. It's true. It's not like crying in the sense of like, oh, he can't handle it. It's like, he's just that he feels emotionally it. connected. Mm -hmm. And so the, he's not an artist in the sense that, you know, you'd think of, but he's a internally, um, just touched deeply emotional person, which I love. Yep. So the five is the investigator. Analytical, detached and private. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy and avoid relying on others. You could say that fives are like detached geniuses. <laughs> if you look at the list of famous fives, you have people from Albert Einstein to mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg to Bill Gates. These people are very smart. And part of what makes them so smart is they internalize all their intelligence. Yeah. So they're thinking a lot of times these people are super quiet. They're, mm -hmm. they're thinking about things. They always think before they speak. Unlike okay. me. Is it not funny that it says conserve energy? That they're motivated by a need to conserve energy. Yes. Like expressing your feelings is a waste of energy. Exactly. Yes, it is. <laughs> Telling people how you feel or what you think until you you absolutely have to. So that's a five. And a challenge with a lot of fives, like like the description reads, is they're they can be detached, like they can seem like they're mm -hmm. not connecting with you emotionally. We have some family members that are that are fives that we suspect mm -hmm. are fives and there's not a huge emotional connection, right. but they're, they're geniuses in the way they think things and they express their love a lot differently than you would expect. Right, and I think that's why there is that stigma sometimes that when somebody is so geniusly smart that they're often lacking in the social world, in the social setting. Um, and so it's because the way that they process in their minds, you know, in their personality, it's that their, their motives are not to please people or to... Um, work on their appearance. That's not what they're motivated by. They're motivated by gaining knowledge and conserving energy and avoiding relying on others. So. Yeah, fives are super smart and we need them. Yep. The type six is the loyal skeptic. Committed, practical, and witty. They are worst case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Sixes are oftentimes thought of incorrectly as skeptical and as devil's advocate type of people. That's not really their motivation. Their motivation is to keep people safe. Mm. It's really good to be friends with a six. Yeah. If you're going like on a camping trip or going somewhere <laughs> where there could be danger, even just driving down the road, they're looking at every exit, trying to find every possible escape if it needed to happen. Uh, they're people who already know what could possibly be the worst case scenario and they're able to figure out how to avoid it. And this can be really good if they're healthy. And this can be really not so good if they're not healthy. <laughs> yeah, they're super helpful in the workplace, especially to help find any holes or glitches that maybe other people miss. Um, that's a huge deal because if you're full of a company with 
like really excited people, really motivated people to to get the product out there. This is the person that's gonna be like, oh, maybe we should wait till you know the third quarter of next year because then our financial situation will be better, etc. These people yeah. are really, really good to kind of push the brakes when necessary so that we can be in a much better place as an organization. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of my best friends is a six. And as a six, I had an experience with him that I'm so glad that I had an understanding of the Enneagram for because he called me up and he was deeply concerned. He had gotten himself into a situation where he thought that he had made a horrible choice where he would end up in jail and he would be there forever and life would pretty much be over. And so I asked him to tell me more about this situation and as he talked about it, it turned out to not be as dire of a situation. And if I didn't know anything about the Enneagram, I would have just been like, oh, you're crazy. Like, why would you think that? I would totally disregard his feelings yeah. without realizing that his motivation be behind the way that he was feeling is due to the fact that he was trying to provide a safe environment for his family, for himself, and he was thinking worst case scenarios so that he would make sure everything's safe. And it turned out to not be as big of a deal. And because I understood his motivation and the way that he thinks about things, I was able to kind of talk him off a ledge. You didn't make him feel bad. Without about... making him feel bad. I would, I would never have said, now I would not say anything like, man, that's dumb, or why would you think that? I was able to kind of help understand by saying hey I bet you feel this and you probably think this is gonna happen and you're already thinking about what it's like to be in jail and smelling the bars and you know all oh the gosh. things and he was like yeah you're right I was like well let's look at it this way and I was able to help him see it in a different light and that transformed his thinking on the situation exactly type seven is the enthusiast Ooh. fun spontaneous and adventurous they are motivated by a need to be happy to plan stimulating experiences and to avoid pain. One of our most favorite movies of all time in the past decade has been The Greatest Showman. Yes. And the character of P.T. Barnum is an exemplary seven to me. Yeah. Yeah, he is the type that has to have fun. Things have to be next level and nothing is really good enough. Like you have a goal that you're very enthusiastic about. Yeah. And you finally Big reach dreams. it. You finally reach that dream and then you're already thinking about what's next. Yeah. And we have a friend who we suspect is a seven. Um, from the time that we first knew him, we would get together and hang out and spend several hours doing something. We're exhausted. We're ready to yeah, head it's home. Time for bed. And he's like, well, aren't we going to go on to this next thing? You know, we just went out to the movie for two hours. Well, aren't bowling. we going to go bowling now? And, we're like, and then we go bowling and it's midnight and it's, well, hey, let's, you know, Let's go hiking right now. Yeah, okay, let's go hiking. hiking. No, and then <clears> one time after we did this third activity, you know, someone mentioned something that's happening in Oklahoma, and yeah. he's like, let's go let's drive go there drive. right now. Yeah. And you know what, Nicole? I think we need spontaneous people in our lives. We do. We need that, especially people like you yeah. who tend to get stuck in like a rut of this is the right thing. And people like me, like I have to please you with that. We need something to bring us out of that. We mold. love this friend. Yes. Dearly. And this friend then traveled around the world yep. for a year and a half and now is currently living in Hawaii. So <laughs> this is a person who is just always excited about the next thing. One of the great guys that I work with is a seven and he always has a great attitude about things. He's very enthusiastic. It makes him a great teacher. We teach together a lot. And a challenge as part of the seven is as they try to hide pain, 
um, they can think that things are great no matter what they can find the good in things which can be good but it can also be a little bit deceiving and i joke about this one friend of mine at work because um, we could be in traffic and you know the typical reaction especially for a guy in traffic is to like honk and yell at people and he'll drive by people and be like oh bless their heart they are probably going through a hard time or he just thinks the best of people type eight is the challenger Commanding, intense, and confrontational, they are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Before I knew the Enneagram, there was a few people at work that I just clashed with all the time, always butting heads, never getting along, and I never understood why. I always wanted to get to the bottom of that, especially as a two. I just wanted to please these guys and like get along, and I'm like, why can't we get along? I yeah. did not understand it. And once I found out the Enneagram and I found out what number these guys are, they were all eights. Mm -hmm. It was a big revelation for me. So I needed to research the eight a little bit and figure out why. And looking into their personality type, these guys love to challenge things. They love to, like to them, it's not worth talking unless there's a challenge. If you think about um, a famous eight is Dave Ramsey. And so he's a, on the very healthy end of things where he can challenge you and get you to a better place by it. But these people will not just take the situation for the answer like they have to find a better way to do it and challenge you on your thinking and i think that now now that i understand that now that i understand that a good argument to them is a good day and it's a good thing they don't want people to be a yes man like i was with them so i would just bend at whatever they said and then we wouldn't get anywhere but mm -hmm. once i understood that i started to argue back in a respectful way with them and challenge them and then they saw more they saw me in more of a respectful respected manner you, yeah. they respected me um, because of that so instead of you know just bowing down to their every beck and call they need to have that interaction and they also usually there's something in childhood that had happened with eights that made them like have to grow up a little bit too soon they have to show their strength and never appear weak and that's a big hallmark of the eight as well so with all that in mind, it helps me understand them and it helps mm -hmm. me relate to them and bless them in return. Yeah. Okay, type nine is the peacemaker. Pleasant, Aww. laid back, and accommodating. They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. These people are usually super pleasant to be around. Um, they, a lot of times, don't really know what they want or, you know, not their needs, but like, they have to develop their own opinion and that's hard for them because they are mm -hmm. so easily morphed into other people's opinions. Well, one of my friends came and visited us um, a few months ago and accommodating is the perfect word. She yes. was just so easily accommodated. Like she just so low maintenance. <laughs> she didn't need anything. She she wasn't, you know, not intrusive. intrusive. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. She was just so pleasant to have here. We enjoyed every minute of her being here. She ended up taking the Enneagram assessment while she was here because we got talking about it and come to find out she's a nine. What do you know? So that was pretty cool. Um, and also a lot of presidents are nines. Yeah, everyone from Clinton to Obama and Reagan, uh, these guys exemplify the nine personality type. And I think, you know, not swaying politically either way, these people were known for their ability to just see other perspectives, and that's part of their personality. Right. I'm not so sure President Trump is a nine. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I would say he's more of an eight. Moving on. Those are the nine personality types. 
We've been reading these descriptions out of a book called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. So one of our recommendations would be for you to either take the personality assessment online, which we have a link in our description, or read the book and you can almost self-assess by reading the descriptions you and can, the chapters, yeah. you can understand um, who you relate to the most. One note of warning though, is that when I read the description of the, the personality type that I actually am, I immediately said, no, that's not me. Um, I was, I didn't relate to it. Some of what it, the way it described a one until I read into it a little more and read the other ones and got an understanding of, you know, the context. And then I started living my life and suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, I am a one. Like 100%. I consider myself a decently like self-aware person. And even with that, I had not realized the filter that I was seeing things through until the Enneagram put words to it. So just just so you know, if you read the descriptions and don't don't find one that you immediately know is, you know, one that you gravitate towards, um, don't run away from that personality type until you investigate a little bit further. Yeah, there's a couple different tests. There's a paid version and a free version. And the paid version, you really do get what you pay for because it gives you a 100% accurate result and it gives you about 40 pages of details about you specifically. Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram is a huge perspective shift, which is a game changer for how you view other people. Instead of just taking them at face value, you can understand them and yourselves at a deeper level. And again, that brings us to a road of healing. Yeah. We can use this to find out how to improve ourselves, but also find the best in people and pull that out. Well, it's helped us in our marriage significantly. I mean, there's just so many examples. So every night after we put the kids to bed, we like to go on a prayer walk inside the house. So we will walk around the house and we'll be declaring scripture. We'll be praying for each other, for our family. And it's an amazing part of our marriage and our relationship. But we ran into some contention because a lot of times I would pray for all the things that were on my heart. And I think they were on both of our hearts. And then Nicole would pray for the same exact things right after I did. And you would get so offended because I would pray all the same things. And what it, we ended up discussing and figuring out was that, you know, you would pray everything that we knew we needed to pray for because- but Also everything I thought you wanted us to pray for too. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like the things on your heart. On my heart, right. It was a list of, this is what Nicole wants me to pray for, you were assuming. Yes. And then I was like, well, those are from my heart. Those are what I'm feeling passionately like praying for. And so I would just let unleash the passion and pray for all the same things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally figured out, you know, what was going on. And um, now we have since then adjusted our prayer life. So we recommend a few things. Uh, number one is The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. It's a great book. It comes at the Enneagram with the lens of the Christian perspective, which is great because it helps us understand um, the types, but also our road to spiritual um, healing and just becoming the best version of ourselves or understanding others. He also has a podcast called Typology, and this is great. This is where I understood the Enneagram even more because like Nicole said in the book, it's got a very brief description of each type. And if you don't totally relate to that version of that description, you might feel like this isn't for me. But when you listen to the podcast, he interviews people 
with the different types and you can totally relate. Everyone he talks to that's a two, I'm like, that is me. Mm -hmm. Even so, um, one person who's a two can look completely different from another who's a two because obviously we all have unique qualities to us. Um, so there's also healthier versions and unhealthier versions. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna get this huge variety of people who have the same personality type. Having a personality type does not mean that you are put in a box or that you have a diagnosis or a label or that you're limited to what is within the, the confines and context of that personality type. So that was something that scared me away from the Enneagram. And as long as we use it as a tool to help us and not um, as a, box to put us in, then the Enneagram is a great thing. That's right. And we also recommend from the artist Sleeping At Last, the album called Atlas, the Enneagram. It's a song written about um, each of the types. So there's nine tracks in the album and it's about each of those types. And if you find out your type and then listen to the words of the song and also the instrumentation, it's pretty amazing. And he has a podcast where he discusses writing these songs. It just helped put a whole new unique perspective yeah. onto these types. I think another thing is to not use our, our personality type as a crutch. So if I were to say, well, you know, I'm just a type one, so I'm going to be judgmental. Well, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead, we know that we need to be utilizing the, the factors that are not pleasing to God, the things that are weaknesses um, and um, transforming our mind with them, knowing that that is our default, like that's that's the habit, the habitual um, processing that we're in. Well, and on that same note, it's never okay to come across someone doing something you don't like and be like, oh, you're such an eight. Yeah. Oh, what a six thing to do. Like, we don't yeah, do that. Like, awful. that's not okay to use this in a in a negative light like that. Yeah. Yep. So, so we recommend these things and we hope that you can see how it can really help you with your relationships of all the kinds especially if you're in a serious relationship, dating, married someone, um, really helps you understand that relationship yeah. to the fullest potential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when if you find out what your Enneagram type is, feel free to leave a comment on either the podcast or on our Instagram at onyourmarks.us and you can let us know what your type is and how you think about it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>